saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. My number one album, big shocker to me, also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that. Like, it's a perfect album. Welcome back to The Spark Parade, a show where I talk to amazing people about the art and culture that's shaped their lives. I'm Adam Unz. Thank you so much for joining me. So, I've got quite an episode for you. This week, I had a chat with Rod Thomas, who records music as Bright Light, Bright Light. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's also a superstar DJ. More on that later. But he's probably most famous for writing the theme song to this podcast. Woohoo! I spoke to Rod about his love for international pop icon and global superstar Kylie Minogue. In particular, we focused on her album Light Years, which was released in the year 2000 and was considered a comeback album after the commercial failure of her previous album, Impossible Princess. It's a lovely chat with a lovely person, and you are going to love it. Seriously, though, Rod is one of the best people I know. He's so talented, and he's such a sweetheart. You are in for a real treat, folks. But first off, let's talk about loving artistic failures, or at least perceived failures. As I mentioned, Rod and I talked a bit about Kylie's Impossible Princess album, which was a departure from the work she'd done before, and it was also this huge commercial failure at the time, but it's fared a bit better in hindsight. It doesn't still quite get the respect it deserves in the eyes of her fans. Talking about that album got me thinking about other commercial failures by huge artists, and in particular, I was thinking about Janet Jackson's album Discipline. That was released at a time when her career was still kind of recovering from uh, Justin Timberlake's bullshit at the Super Bowl. Yes, I still blame him and I'm angry at him for that. And her previous album had also had a pretty lackluster reception. But when Discipline came out, it bombed. Like, nobody bought it. Well, except me. And I fucking love that album. And I think it's such a shame that it didn't have the success it deserved. But I also kind of love the feeling of having an album of hers that not as many people have listened to. And even though I know she has millions of fans who listen to everything she ever releases, the fact that Discipline had so little promotion and was in and out of the charts in like nine seconds made me feel like it was this private part of her career that only I knew about. I know that near constant success is the only way that artists can be assured of career longevity, but I love engaging with smaller and lesser known works by artists I love. 
Sometimes really great art fails commercially or even critically, and it can happen for so many reasons. So I guess my point is invest in the artists you love. You might be able to help them sustain or build upon their success, or you might be one of the only people to appreciate an incredible work of art. And I think both of those outcomes are pretty great. Okay, great. Shall we move on? Why the hell not? It's now time for my frankly delightful chat with the wonderful and talented Rod Thomas, a.k.a. Bright Light, Bright Light. So, Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Light Years. Yes, specifically Light Years. <laughs> I feel like this is an album that over time, you know, uh, people have forgotten how important it was as like a comeback moment for her mm-hmm. after a couple of rocky years. Um, not creatively, just commercially. And uh, what an amazing moment it was to come back with this super fun, ultra gay disco record that um, brought her back to number one in the UK. And it's, yeah, it's one of my favorite albums ever. Not to immediately go slightly off topic, but did you, what did you think about um, Impossible Princess? I loved it. Yeah. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. I really was. And I was so shocked that people just didn't warm to it. I thought it was cool. And, you know, the first single of that being with the Manic Street Preachers, I thought that was such a smart move. And Mm. they just had, you know, massive commercial success. And she sounded great on it. And I don't know why it didn't work. Mm -hmm. It was such a mystery. Yeah. From my extensive research, there were a lot of problems with promotion Mm -hmm. and the label kind of fucked up the whole campaign. So the way that the album was rolled out and where it was available and all of those things hurt record sales as well. But I think, you know, people sometimes want people to only do one thing. Yeah, that's like a sad trend in pop music, really, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it was weird. I mean, the album was top 10 in the UK, but... The first single went in at 22. I'm a geek because I know that. Um, And I just couldn't believe that it wasn't even top 20 as the lead single from an album. Because I heard it on the radio everywhere. I mean, my friends were singing it in school, even in South Wales. And then, yeah, it just, that was such a shock. And then it was probably more rewarding than to have Kylie come back with Light Years, however many years afterwards it was. And it was just such a hit. It's just crazy, like that total flip in culture. Yeah. I read something today as well that a few years ago, Kylie was talking about Impossible Princess and said that she'll never be that involved in writing songs ever again or make an album that's that personal because she was so crushed by the reaction to it. Or the, I mean, people still love it, especially in hindsight. But um, that, yeah, it makes me sad that when she really was like, I'm going to do something really different and be really involved. And everybody just kind of went, meh. Yeah, that must have been really hard, you know, because she did co-write, I think, every song on that Mm -hmm. album. Single-handedly wrote some of them as well. And it was just, yeah, it must have felt like shit. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand, poor woman. Like, it was really cool. God bless. But at least we have light years. Yes. Um, Do you have memories of, like, the first time you heard spinning around or yeah i remember i think like kylie had been considered uncool you know much to my displeasure in school and 
I heard spinning around. I didn't really know who it was to begin with, and I couldn't believe that that was Kylie's new single after the Light Years thing. Sorry, after uh, Impossible Princess, renamed Kylie Minogue because of you know Princess Diana's sad demise, and also that I think contributed to the problems. Like yeah. it was a second album self-titled, which was a bit of a weird move. Yeah, they could have just called it Impossible or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, when I first heard uh, spinning around, I didn't really get that it was her and I was really shocked and I probably hadn't really discovered Disco at that point either so I didn't know what the references were I did know that Paula Abdul co-wrote it yeah which I thought was bonkers and I I just loved it and then I saw the video and I was like this is perfect pop mm-hmm. you know it was amazing to just have that like joyful comeback and then see her be number one it was it was like it was such a surprise and just such a delight I loved yeah. it Another fun fact is that that was supposed to be Paul Abdul's comeback single. Like Oops. it was going to be on an album for her and then that all fell apart. Wow. But can you imagine that? I can't imagine, said with love, Paula Abdul's voice on that song. Mm. You know, Paula Abdul is an incredibly talented performer and she's done so much good for the world. All her choreography, pop songs, everything. She doesn't have a voice as pleasant as Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. I will say. <laughs> it's very, very diplomatic. Yeah, so, like, that excitement of... I don't know, did you have mixed feelings at all about the fact that it was really clear that she was going in a very commercial direction and that... I didn't even consider that, to yeah. be honest. I just thought it was fun. I mean, to me, Kylie had always been super fun pop mm-hmm. woman. And, you know, Confide in Me was like a real shock when that came out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand what she was doing, but I loved it. And then Put Yourself in My Place was somewhere between pop and what she was doing. And I didn't really fall for the Kylie Minogue album, or the, her second t- self-titled Kylie Minogue album. So there were three then, weren't there? no. No, uh, maybe that was the first one. Yeah, I wasn't in love with the album as a whole. Mm-hmm. So then Impossible Princess for me was like pop melodies in an indie style. Mm-hmm. So this one really was just similar melodies, just in a more pop, fun, gay space. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I said this to someone the other day, like Light Years was so important for me because it came out when I was coming out and all of my friends in my hometown were all going through this kind of questioning period together and we were going out together to gay bars, you know, sorry parents, we were underage going to gay bars. (laughs) And it was the perfect, perfect soundtrack to that summer of like watching Big Brother and Kylie coming back and going to gay bars and like just having fun. So like that and on a night like this, they were like the perfect soundtrack to what we were going through at the time so it just i didn't question it It just felt completely accurate to Mm -hmm. everything yeah and the whole album but i think in particular the singles are so full of this joy like Mm -hmm. watching the videos she just looks like she's having the time of her life she looks like she's having a blast Yeah. yeah do you have a favorite song on the album all all of the singles are so incredible do you have a least favorite song on the album? Uh, the, Would you like to see the track? ballad. The Bittersweet Goodbye? Yeah. Okay. I'm a little, you know. I'm always, like with pop albums, I'm always more drawn to up-tempo ones. Yeah. And especially something like this, it's like all kind of disco-y. And, um, what is the one that is... Uh, Please Stay. Don't like that one? I do. You do? I love it. Oh, it's fantastic. People got really angry that that was a single, actually. I remember... They were disappointed and I was like, it's a really 
great song mm. it's not the best song on the album but it's great and the video was really fun and brought it to life and I thought it was a great track to hear on the radio you know it really worked mm-hmm. I, I loved it I love everything on the album yeah and it did feel like I mean I I was coming from an American perspective. Like I'd, I'd only lived in the UK for a little while then. And basically all of my awareness of Kylie had come from my childhood. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the standard American thing. Like, oh, she did the locomotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but even without having that kind of lived experience of her, it was so clear that everyone was really rooting for her. Yes. And that even if people had thought that she was a bit naff from kind of having these perceived failures or mm-hmm. people thinking that her back catalog was kind of cheesy mm-hmm. or whatever whatever it was that was going into these very unfair negative characterizations, mm-hmm. that it was so lovely to feel like the whole nation was kind of like happy for her to be quote unquote back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like a real moment where everybody was just so into it and so up for it. It was really cool. And I don't think, you know, disco had really made a comeback at that point in the UK. There were like samples and things and you had like Spiller, Groove Jet, which, when was that? 2000, I think. Yeah. Um, And this album was 2001? 2000. Oh, yeah, same kind of time then, yeah. So it was on that wave of like the Maloko, the Groove Jet, Mm -hmm. that kind of like Ibiza summary disco referencing sound. So I guess it hit like a moment, like a wave Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people were just so up for it and everyone just loved Kylie again and it was amazing. Yeah. And just thinking about that particular time when, like you said, a lot of pop was really kind of dancey, summery, mm-hmm. like very light feeling. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. It's not um, a politically charged album. <laughs> no. It's not a hugely, uh, you know, diary entry style album. It's mm-hmm. just fantastic fun pop and I love it Love Boat is my favourite song on the record <laughs> yeah, I listen so to it ridiculous. absolutely all the time I play it at my parties all the time and um, my friend from Wales who I came out with to this album was here the last couple of weeks and I took him to Fire Island and we just listened to Light Years on the beach on my phone and we were just living it was amazing yeah and I mean even though there's obviously nothing overtly political about it it's so fucking gay it's and so fucking gay yeah and she's just someone who it's very clear mm-hmm. to anybody who knows anything about her that she's this gay icon. Yeah. And when pop stars are gay icons, they can embrace that to varying degrees. But there's never been any question in anybody's mind that she absolutely loves that mm-hmm. and loves gay people. And, you know, she that's always kind of in the back of my mind when I see her doing having this image in her videos that's so hyper gay and obviously yes. like targeting a gay audience yeah it's funny because like you know she wears these tiny little pants and clothes <laughs> and stuff but it's like evidently not for the straight male gaze yeah. it's literally for like the gay male adoration mm-hmm. and they get what she's doing and everything about it is like so camp and so wonderful and so perfectly positioned and toned I think especially for this record like the Fever one was you know a whole different story where it was like even more wildly successful and kind of a bit cooler and more fashiony so mm-hmm. it was like a different look but this was really just like oh yeah she's that like gay icon and she's back and she's making absolutely no fucking bones about it like she's just here so just like bow yeah and that's a good point as well Fever 
you could almost feel from the second you saw the Kaki Out of My Head video, mm-hmm. that it was like, this is the one. This is yeah. the album that's going to be world domination. And, and we're serious about it. It was and wild. It was insane. Yeah. But the Light Years album, it was almost like she was like, fuck it. I don't have anything to prove anymore. Like, yeah. people have been so shit to me and this is a fun album and I'm just going to have fun and see what happens. And it was just like this runaway success. I don't know if they thought it was going to do that well. Hmm. I wonder, actually, I'd like, I do know some of the people involved in the making of that album and I would love to talk to them about preconceptions. Hmm. I think probably if they thought it was going to be that big, they might not have let that ballad stay on the record. But it's interesting that it was such a hit and radio just embraced her. Hmm. You know, even like, on a night like this was just such a massive radio hit and probably place please stay was because that was a top 10 single and kids with robbie williams yeah and, yeah you know what a what a massive record yeah absolutely amazing um i was reading reviews in preparation for this as well and even people who have been quite snotty about her and other reviews were just saying mm-hmm. how undeniable it is and it was this and is this joyous, exciting yeah. thing that just made everybody feel happy. Um, yeah. I think it's a I think it's her best album. I think it's a better album than Fever, hmm. which a lot of people disagree with me on, but I think it's a better album. It's totally like coherent and really like there's no mistaking who she is when mm-hmm. you listen to this record, I think, which is really like the only album where start to finish it feels completely like organic and natural and taps into lots of different part of her fan base more Mm -hmm. so than just her personality you know you've got like a clubby track in Butterfly which is for her like you know hardcore gay like Canal Street Manchester friends and then the the ballad for you know like some of the like older audience (laughs) mums and then you have like Spinning Around which is just for like every twirling gay that has ever lived (laughs) yeah amazing I want her to open that song with this is for the mums this is for the mums (laughs) um how do you feel about kids the song yeah I love it it gets a mm. really bad rap yeah but I think it's super fun and I couldn't believe that when Robbie and Kylie released a single it wasn't number one yeah I couldn't believe it I didn't realise that that's yeah. insane that was insane because they were the two biggest people in the UK at that time yeah probably because it had been out on both of their albums prior to being a single mm. But yeah, I think that song was really fun. She looks like she's having such a good time in the video. Yeah. He's being campus tits. And, yeah. You know, it was just silly and fun. And I didn't really clock the fact that he'd written on quite a few songs on Light Years anyway. Mm. So that made sense. And it was just a nice moment, you know, like him being silly. Like when he did the song with the Pet Shop Boys, which I thought was great. No Regrets was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that whole album of his, actually, that um, I've Been Expecting You, that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It was a cool record and, you know, them doing that song together was a moment in time. It was really mm-hmm. like pop royalty f- joining forces on a really upbeat, fun song that was just really easy to sing. Loved it. Yeah. And it felt like maybe, I don't know if I'm thinking of this correctly, but maybe one of the first times that Robbie was uh, taking himself a little bit less seriously. And, you know, he had these albums that were still in the kind of boy band mold mm-hmm. and it was part of a path towards doing more experimental weirder stuff which yeah. was you know successful to varying degrees but yes um, i think like you know there was the facade of taking himself less seriously with let me entertain you but let's be honest that was taking itself very seriously mm. 
to establish him as somebody that wasn't taking himself very seriously. Yeah. Whereas on Kids and like other tracks on that second album, I think there was like a genuine playfulness to to what he was putting out, which hadn't really been there before because probably he'd established the fact that he could be a successful solo artist and then could be a bit more fun and tongue in cheek with the second album. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the launching song for that album was. It wasn't Millennium, was it? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, no surprise. Amazing. No yeah. surprises. No surprise. No surprise because no surprises was Radiohead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like "Let Me Entertain You" could be introduced with "This One's for the Mums" as well. Um, that was very much for the mums. Yeah. The mums that still went to shows. Yeah. Like we're gonna be cheeky. Yeah. They like might to have a glass of wine. Cosplay as glam rock. Yeah. You know. <sighs> Ridiculous. But I thought that was such a an amazing collaboration between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And like you said, joining forces between two of the most powerful people in pop music, powerful people in pop music. Um, just doing my warm ups. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's one of my favorite things that he ever did. Yeah. Um, what are some of your other favorite collaborations between pop royalty? Hmm. I'm assuming it's not Dane Bowers and Victoria Beckham with the that's, True Steppers. That's like not quite top 10, <laughs> top 20, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Aretha and George. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I also love the Aretha and Elton um, Through the Storm, mm. which wasn't a hit. I thought it was a massive hit because I used to hear it on my parents' car tape all the time. They had like the biggest hits of 1985 or something like that. It was on, um, wasn't even top 40. Which is shocking to me. That's a disgrace. Yeah. And Aretha and Annie Lennox. Yeah. Um, Aretha and anyone, basically. Basically anyone, yeah. (laughs) So have you always been a Kylie fan from the beginning? or I would say from second album, because I think I just didn't like The Locomotion. Mm -hmm. When it came out, I thought it was, even as a child, I must have been a fairly precocious child, um, I thought it was just really cheesy mm-hmm. um, it was in a car that my, my gran used to pick me up from school sometimes god, god rest her soul um, and she had two cassettes one was the Muppet album and one was Kylie Minogue's first mm. album and so because we used to listen to it just after listening to the Mana Mana song I thought <laughs> I thought that she was just like a novelty act you know um, but then I actually listened to the album. I was like, oh, it's really fun, actually. And then the second album came out and I thought that she was great. Because I heard the songs on the radio and I don't think I knew that they were her. Mm-hmm. So by the time it came to her indie phase, I was definitely a fan. Yeah. And, you know, with that hindsight, went back and revisited all the songs and was like a huge fan. And loved everything like, you know, Where the Wild Roses Grow. Mm-hmm. Loved Confide in Me. Loved the indie phase that was a flop to everyone apart from me in my random coal mining valley. <laughs> um, and I've been a fan, you know, lifelong fan of Kylie. I think she's fab. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of gays who really love the indie phase as well. Mm. So Why didn't they fucking buy it then? I did. I bought yeah. all the singles, bought the album on that like holographic CD. It was great. They're just latecomers and part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. Um, did you watch Neighbours? I did, yes. 
So that was another thing, I think. It was very weird how they would just sweep up these pop stars from mm. Neighbours and just, like, make them famous singers immediately. Yeah. She was the first one, I believe. And then kind of in tandem with, oh, my God, Jason. What's his name? Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. Why? Oh, my God. <laughs> my brain. In my mind, then, Jason was his character name, but no, Jason Donovan. And I didn't like his solo stuff too much, but I loved their duet, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and Natalie and Bruglia obviously is just like amazing mm-hmm. i love her record so much i love um I, I was obsessed with her first album i listened to it like absolutely non-stop and i thought it was really deep when i was young <laughs> i still do um but yeah kylie like you know i used to watch neighbors with my gran as well and like we loved kylie she was just one of these you know gorgeous people on screen that you just completely fell in love with nation sweetheart yeah it's such a weird progression as well. I mean, I think Australian soaps are kind of a breeding ground for people who become you know, astronomically famous. Mm-hmm. But um, starting out on this kind of cheesy soap and recording kind of cheesy songs that were in the mold of, you know, the character that she was playing on yeah. the soap. Yes. Um, and becoming like one of the most famous people in on the world. planet yeah yeah it's it's bonkers isn't it thinking like i don't think neighbors was at all enjoyed in australia mm. it was like people were very shocked that we knew it in the uk and it was like syndicated in the uk and became this hit in a way that it wasn't in australia i believe mm. so yeah it must have been a shock that she became this international pop star yeah and sold out like you know arenas and was like playing with playing for the royalty and playing with the Pet Shop Boys and doing things with Robbie Williams and, you know, what a bonkers life. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a crazy, crazy life. Yeah. And talking about collaborators as well, just finding really interesting people to work with. Yeah. Having good taste in collaborators and just, you know, weird stuff like Nick Cave and... and Nick um, Cave, that, yeah. I mean, I guess Keith. Keith Washington. Which is <laughs> 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 crazy. So... Just thinking about this album again, Light Years, hmm. and some of the collaborations on this. So obviously you have the Paula Abdul, mm-hmm. but you also have, where are the credits? I do know this, I just don't want to misquote. You had like um, some of the Spice Girls writers. Hmm. So Steve Anderson is one of uh, one of my friends actually, and he's one of her like music producers for all the stage shows. He was involved in it. Guy Chambers, obviously, hmm. big one. Oh, on multiple tracks. Anyway, yeah, you know, Spice Girls writers, no surprise, they were like fantastic songs. Right. Really. Um, And it was just, yeah, joyful pop. I guess it was sort of like riding the coattails of success of things like um, Who Do You Think You Are? Mm -hmm. That would make sense. When was Spice World? 2001? Uh, Earlier. Oh, no, it was much earlier. It was 98. Yeah, 98, I think so. I was not a fan of Spice World. I saw it with my friends um this was when i was i think i was in my first year of uni Mm. and i just have this memory of my roommate in the dorms coming to see it with us who is like allegedly straight and leaving the theater and (laughs) what seriously running ahead of everyone and turning around and screaming i am a spice girl um so Well, God bless them. They've changed the world, haven't they? Yeah. I can't remember it at all. I thought it was kind of 
funny, I think. I, I think yeah, I only saw it once. I was not a fan of Spice World, the album. Hmm. Is that what it was called, the second album? I Spice think so. World? Yeah, I didn't like it at the time. I've grown to like it more now. But I guess, like, that was a good precursor of, like, the camp city retro throwbackness mm-hmm. that Lightyear sort of embraced yeah. and took on board. So knowing that some of the same writers were involved does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Who do, who do you think you are, did you say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, that was first album. And then second album would be, like, Stop. Yeah. You know, kind the of same. fits into that, mm-hmm. like, girl group-ish mm-hmm. world, which, you know, spinning around is, like, very much, like, Supremes-esque in mm-hmm. its melodies and, you know, like... Gloria Gaynor and its delivery. Yeah. So, like, all of the gay greats, yeah. really. Yeah. And taking kind of the bones of older styles of pop and just making them as campus buck. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Joyful. And triumphant. Yes. How is your relationship with her post-fever output? Ooh, interesting question. Um, I love... Most of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed by X. Mm. Um, I guilty confession. I hate Two Hearts. Mm. I absolutely detest Two Hearts, and mm. I was fucking destroyed that that was a comeback single. Um, but you know, there's a lot of other stuff I do love on the record, like uh, Speakerphone. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Wow should have been the comeback single, yeah. I think. And Two yeah. Hearts would have been a decent album track. But as the statement of the comeback, I thought it was lackluster. Yeah. Um, Aphrodite has got some incredible moments. Get Out My Way is one of my favorite Kylie Minogue mm-hmm. songs. Of course. Yeah. Um, Slow, obviously iconic. Mm-hmm. And Still Standing is a great album track, which I think should have been a single. Um, do you like In My Arms? It's okay. I like it. I like the spoken word intro. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Oh, Kiss Me Once. Yes. I love Kiss Me Once. It gets a really, really bad rap and people hated it in London, I remember, when it came out. I love it. I think it's an amazing record. I think it's probably my in my top three Kylie albums. Top three being Light Years, um, Impossible Princess and Kiss Me Once. Sexercise? Really fun. It, I mean, like, why not? So ludicrous Ob- absurd totally were amazing. you at that gig she did in um, Bowery Ballroom no no so people no. were like shouting at requests and someone went sexercise and she just burst out laughing and I thought it was her reaction to that was just so funny <laughs> just like she knows how absurd that was but like you know Into the Blue is great Fine is amazing and the other one that I love was like a bonus track Feel So no not Feel So Good but I do like that one too everything Les Sex it was great. Million Miles, completely amazing. That should have been a runaway hit album, and I don't know what happened there, to be honest. Yeah. And then Golden. I'm not the biggest fan of Golden. Yeah. I like it. When I did the Kylie event that I did for the Romy party, so mm-hmm. I did this, you know, five-hour, six-hour? God, I don't know how long it was. Only Kylie Minogue dance party. <laughs> um it was really good actually playing those songs out from Golden because they are much more fun with other people's involvement. So remember when I saw her do that Bowery Ballroom concert, they all sounded so much better with with the band on stage and they made a lot more sense. But like hearing them just on the record didn't make sense to me when I first mm-hmm. heard it. So like I get what I get what they did with Golden. It mm-hmm. wasn't quite for me mm-hmm. but she looked again she looked so happy making it and she yeah. has looked really happy throughout the whole campaign 
So that's great. And that's, I want that for her, you know, yeah. and she obviously loved the record and they looked good performing out on stage and all the reviews for the shows have been great. Mm-hmm. So whilst that wasn't my personal top Kylie album, it's like important for her narrative mm-hmm. and her fans. Yeah. People do, people liked it in the UK a lot, I think. Yeah. And also just being able to do things that are not what she always does and mm-hmm. take some chances. Absolutely. Take a risk. Yeah. You know, it paid off. Yeah. Let it all hang out. She's Who lot, knows? She sold a lot of cassettes, apparently, for that <laughs> <Yes>. album. Hmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> just what artists want yeah. in 2019. Took her to number one on the charts. So, yeah. You know. Great. Um, have you seen her live? Yes. I actually performed with her uh, at Hyde Park. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, not not with her, but on the same bill, let's say. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she is like my total pop hero. Yeah. She really is like the, the perfect pop star. And even to be like on the bill with her was completely amazing. I didn't meet her or anything. Um, mm. But, you know, she's always so loving and so positive and so caring in all of her interviews and like she does so much she said like philanthropy work and makes these pop songs that just give people moments of hope in times of shit mm-hmm. um and has you know continued to make albums like even if they're not my favorite albums there's always something on the album that i really like yeah and yeah watching her live is amazing because she's just so smiley and so sweet and so mm-hmm. genuine like when we stayed and watched that show of hers it was just so much fun you know, she was just like dancing around with the visuals and the dancers and just having such a good time. And you can't not smile when you're watching her perform yeah. live. She's just amazing. Yeah. I went to see the Fever Tour when mm. I was in university and that was just like completely incredible. I've seen her a couple of times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you? I saw it at Earl's Court, um, like the tour right before she had cancer. Oh, God. Um, which was like... That must have been like a hits tour. Was it a greatest hits or anti-tour? don't know i can't remember but um yeah it was really fun i like the place where i was working at the time um we got free tickets for some reason wow so it was like no must no fuss straight yeah. in it is it is wild that she had cancer and there I was know. that national scare you really felt like the nation was terrified for her because mm. everybody loved her so much yeah that was, yeah, completely insane. Oh, it would have been this, the body language tour you would have seen then. Because that was the one before X. That's mm-hmm. when she had cancer. After that album. Yeah. I can't. I have, I don't know. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, She's fine, thank fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, having to deal with, like, tabloid, red top, like, poor Kylie headlines for... Yeah, for a very long, long time. time. Ugh. So gross. gross. Yeah. Absolutely gross. Yeah. Um, I used to work at a hotel where she um, stayed a lot when she was in London. And famous people can sometimes be terrible and mm-hmm. sometimes be nice. And, you know, people are different and whatever. Sometimes it's very disappointing to come in contact with people who mm-hmm. you love because they can be total shits. Mm-hmm. And this was over probably a four-year period. And she would stay there for a few weeks at a time every, you know six mm. months or something and was always just like the kindest loveliest totally exactly what you described on stage just like yeah. someone who made everyone smile and made a conscious effort to be kind yeah i've never heard anyone say a bad word about her and you know like i work in the industry and i know lots of managers lots of songwriters lots of producers that have all worked with her and not a single person has ever had anything bad to say mm-hmm. about her 
one of my friends who I co-write with sent me one of her songs which was going to be on the Golden album before it was called Golden and before it took the kind of country twist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was to produce it and I did a production of this song which, mm-hmm. you know, was then sent back to her in a very pop manner because mm-hmm. that's what they were thinking of doing. And the demo vocals were just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like so perfect and so fab and I'm really sad that that song never came out. Mm-hmm. It was a great... I didn't write it but it was such a fun melody to sing it was a really sad song actually but it was just fantastic and it was like absolutely what everyone loves about her yeah maybe for the next album yeah she's very talented you know Mm -hmm. maybe for the next album she's so great yeah um and i know that there are lots of talented people who are shits and you just kind of know that somebody makes artwork that you really love, but they're not a very nice person mm-hmm. and you can cope with that. Like it isn't like I refuse to engage with artists work if I know that they're not very nice people, Yeah, but it's something extra that is attractive about her that in addition to making music that I really love. She's also a great person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's nice for like once in a while, someone comes along like that and you're like, Oh, thank God you are also brilliant. And I don't have to, (laughs) I don't have to make excuses in my mind for why I'm enjoying this record. Yeah. Going back to light years. Do you find that that is the Kylie album that you play the most songs from when you're DJing or is it like, Yes, it is actually. Even though some of the songs from Fever were bigger hits, I think there is a real joy for the songs from this album. Mm-hmm. And they do tend to fit better into my live sets, or yeah. my DJ sets, I mean. Um, like I play a lot of disco, so spinning around is perfect. I play high energy pop, so on a night like this works really well. Um, I play retro stuff, so Love Boat, I play a lot. <laughs> um, and I play lots of really gay songs, so Your Disco Need You is just, like, right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do... Probably the other song of hers that I play the most is Love at First Sight. Mm. From the Fever album, not from the mm-hmm. uh, earlier album. And it's that's an amazing song. It's a perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I play more from, from Light Years. Yeah. Let's have a fun game. Let's rate all the songs from this album out of 10 okay <laughs> spinning around 10 10 on a night like this 10, 10. so now I go by 10 <laughs> uh, I can see where this is going uh, 10 disco down mm, 9 yeah love boat 10 10 <laughs> 11 actually I'm giving love boat 11 Kukuchu 8 mm-hmm. you're just gonna need you 10 yeah please stay 10 yeah. bittersweet goodbye what would you give mm-hmm. that one Six. Six? Nine. <laughs> Butterfly ten. Mm, I don't even remember. That yeah, it's like the clubby dance one. Under mm. the Influence of Love. I, I love that song as well. That's a ten. I'm So High. Do you remember that one? No. You should remember it. Nine. No. Kids, ten. Yeah. Light years, ten. <laughs> so. Ten. Everything like, is almost a ten or a nine. There tens across the board. Yeah. Great. So there you go. Yeah. Well done, Kylie Minogue, and everyone involved in this record. It's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. If I'd made this album, I would just sit there laughing all day, every day, <laughs> until I died. Because it's amazing. Yeah. It's quite a testament to her and to all the other people involved that it's like yeah. something that can bring people so much happiness. It still sounds really good, I think. You mm-hmm. know, like listening to them, pop can age really badly. Mm-hmm. And pop can date very, very badly as well. It still sounds fresh. The references that 
it pulls upon are still being used and it's still quite current. So like, you know, people still like to hear it, even if they don't know what it is initially, like mm-hmm. that spinning around track is timeless. Yeah. Another little review that I read today or somebody just talking about her experience of Kylie and saying she really likes, I don't know, corn or something like mm. some music that is the polar opposite of Kylie. She's like, and Kylie is kind of my guilty pleasure, except I don't feel guilty about it. I love her. She'd be and, proud. Yeah. And she was Canadian and talking about, she said she backpacked in Australia when Light Years came out and then wow. brought it back to Canada and nobody knew who she was except to say, oh, didn't she do the, the locomotion? locomotion yeah. yeah. Um, and got all of her new metal friends into mm. Kylie Minogue. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah. Building bridges across Absolutely. musical communities. Yeah, I think Fever has dated more than Light Years has, mm. simply because it was such a zeitgeist album and mm-hmm. that production, like the Kathy Dennis, Rob Davis, like production and songwriting style, defined a moment in time with like that huge explosion of Can't Get You Out of My Head being like internationally famous. Yeah. That dates it more than Light Years, which shapeshifts and has this kind of like really fluid production character, which could have been made now or could have been made then you know or mm-hmm. could have been made 15 years before that yeah it's a, it's a really cool album they they did such a good job of that yeah yeah and yeah it's exactly what you said fever is kind of burned into everyone's brain mm-hmm. as a product of a very specific time it was so crazy i remember can't get you out of my head came out like the week after september 11th mm. or maybe it was that week and i was on holiday in portugal having to like come back through the airport where there were huge queues and nobody knew exactly what was going on. Mm. Everybody was scared and whatever. And then I bought that single in the airport. And everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that came out and by that Thursday, that was when singles came out on a Monday, I think in the UK. And by that Thursday, they were playing it in Ritzy's, the uh, nightclub in Swansea. Mm -hmm. And everybody already knew it. Every single person in the club and everyone went absolutely batshit crazy when it came on by in like three days. Yeah. I guess it's like a, a simple enough song that. Yeah. You, you can know, sing along. Even yeah. If you've everybody heard knows it the words to the chorus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, still totally amazing. And I don't know. I don't know if it's better for her or not that she didn't sustain that level of success i mean she's still pretty fucking famous and yeah she still does really well she pro- yeah she probably couldn't have done anything different if she sustained that level of success mm-hmm. you know i think like a lot of artists that do stay that famous for a really long time don't get to make music that shifts as their tastes shift mm-hmm. so it was cool that she's you know got to do a golden which she really wanted to do obviously because you know the investment in the aesthetic is like very strong. Yeah. And I don't know if she'd been able to do that if she'd been making music like Fever up until now. Yeah. Maybe. So I guess it all worked out in the end. It did. Well done, Kylie. Well done, Kylie Minogue. Um, I feel extremely satisfied. Great. I hope you feel extremely satisfied well, as well. I've talked about my favorite album, so yeah. yes. Wonderful. Assuming that there is anyone in the world who does not know how to find you, which would be ridiculous to me but uh if they need help how can they find you if you use social media mm-hmm. uh almost every platform my at or my handle or whatever you call it is bright light x2 uh so like instagram twitter facebook what else is there youtube 
Uh, it's all bright light X2. If you live in New York City, I throw a weekly party, which is free. Uh, it is every Saturday afternoon from 3 until 8 p.m. at Club Coming. It's called Romy Michelle's Saturday Afternoon Tea Party. And uh, I encourage people to co-curate by making song requests on post-it notes. There's always a lot of Kylie Minogue requests. So if you like <laughs> Kylie, you won't be disappointed. If you don't like Kylie, it's not only Kylie I play. So you will also not be disappointed. Win-win, I would say. Yes. And if you need a quick Yelp review, it's really fun. You're going to have a great Done. time. Guaranteed. Done. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Stamp endorsed. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for having a chat with me. You're welcome. Thanks this for having me. This is very fun. Uh, and yes, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. What a fantastic human, right? Thanks again to Rod for taking the time to chat with me. Please download his music. It's incredible. And also go to his Romy and Michelle parties at Club Coming on Saturdays in New York because they are so, so, so much fun. I am speaking from personal experience there. All right, let me lay some quick recommendations on ya. Firstly, I went to a new museum called Poster House this week. It's a museum dedicated to, you guessed it, the poster! They have an exhibition on right now of Alphonse Mucha's work, whose posters advertising the work of actor Sarah Bernhardt changed the way art was used in advertising. His work is really beautiful, and you'll definitely recognize it when you see it. I'll throw up some examples on social media for you. You should also visit the Poster House if you are in New York. And also... I've been listening to Stephanie McKay's music this week. Her first album, which was called McKay, was released in the UK in 2003, and Jeff Barrow from Portishead was one of its producers. I fucking love that album, and it's another one that I don't think had the success it deserved, but whew, her voice is amazing and powerful, and the album is like jazzy and solely and kind of trip-hoppy and wah, ugh, I don't know. Just listen to it, you guys. Please. It's so good. Okay? That's it for this week. As always, please follow me on social media, at Spark Parade. Please also rate and review the show wherever you can, wherever you download it, on Yelp, in your school newspaper, anywhere. All right? That's it for this week. Until next time, bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.